Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast on justthenews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just the News podcasts. Go to justthenews.com and see the list of them on the homepage. Today, I'm going to explore the hard facts when it comes to safety concerns about COVID-19 vaccines in the U.S. and around the world. If you're finding yourself confused about the mixed guidance you're hearing when it comes to COVID-19 vaccines, you're far from alone. That's why I've organized a pretty comprehensive list of facts and figures on some of the safety concerns and the responses to date. Because safety discussions about vaccines and other medicines are often falsely portrayed by propagandists and pharma interests as anti-vaccine, it's worth saying that this discussion is not anti-vaccine. It's not pro-vaccine. It's not medical advice. It's just factual information for you to consider and do as you wish with. Who gets vaccinated and with what is a personal and individual calculation, and you should do a lot of reading and consult with your trusted physician. As you probably already know, information on this topic is highly managed and censored. Sometimes big tech, as we like to call it, is censoring factual and truthful information while promulgating false information. So again, you have to count on yourself to really go through some information and do your own research. For all the information that the Centers for Disease Control is putting out about COVID-19 vaccines, go to cdc.gov, or you can simply do a search under DuckDuckGo or your favorite search engine with CDC and COVID-19 vaccines, and all that information will come up. They have pages such as key things to know about COVID-19 vaccines, types of vaccines available, possible side effects, and so on. I'd like to say that CDC can be counted on to provide fully factual information, but unfortunately that hasn't been the case. As you probably know, if you listen to this podcast, I did an investigation earlier this year about CDC intentionally misrepresenting what studies found or didn't find about effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccine in people who've already had coronavirus. The studies they cited found no impact on effectiveness. If anything, in one study, there was an inverse relationship. And yet, CDC top officials and the Vaccine Immunization Advisory Board folks signed off on statements that said the opposite, that claimed falsely that studies had shown COVID-19 vaccine was effective in people who'd already had coronavirus. Since then, a study has come out that confirms the same thing. It says that there's no point in people who have been infected with coronavirus to getting the COVID-19 vaccine because there is no proven effectiveness. So therefore, because you already have immunity if you have a natural infection with no measurable benefit to getting the COVID-19 vaccine on top of it, you're only exposing yourself to potential risks, however slight, with no proven benefit. But you should still take a look at what CDC's position is as part of your research. And again, go to cdc.gov for that information. So to begin this discussion, while the CDC is marketing widespread use of the emergency use vaccines for COVID-19 in the U.S. for both old and young alike, many other countries, as you may know, are limiting COVID-19 vaccine use. 
And health officials around the world are giving all kinds of different and varying advice on safety issues as these COVID-19 vaccines are being given to more people and more safety information can be collected. What does it say that there is so much different guidance when it comes to what medical professionals and public health officials are saying about the very same vaccines around the world? Well, it says two things, I think. First of all, there are a lot of unknowns. That should tell you a lot. Second, I think it is safe to assume based on history and context that the pharmaceutical, the vaccine industry has a lot of say so in some of the advice that's given and the information that's put out in this country and around the world. First, in terms of general safety, CDC and the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, consider the COVID-19 vaccines that are currently being used in the U.S. to, of course, be safe and effective, or at least having the benefits outweigh the risks, as we're learning more about some of the risks. They wouldn't be on the market if CDC or FDA thought that the risks outweighed the benefit for people. But of course, because these vaccines are in use on an emergency basis, they did not go through the normal processes that a vaccine is normally put through or that a medicine is normally put through, the sorts of studies that have to normally be completed before it's marketed to the general public. So that's why we're learning things kind of in real time as we go. Along those lines, 57 authors from 17 countries signed an endorsement urging that COVID-19 vaccinations be stopped unless there are new safety mechanisms that are immediately implemented. You can find this publication if you do a search under authoria.com, A-U-T-H-O-R-E-A.com. It's a paper called SARS-CoV-2 Mass Vaccination, Urgent Questions on Vaccine Safety that Demand Answers from International Health Agencies, Regulatory Authorities, Governments, and Vaccine Developers. You can see who these people are, who these medical professionals are, And I'll read you part of the abstract that describes what they're saying. They say, since the start of the COVID-19 outbreak, the race for testing new platforms designed to confer immunity has been rampant and unprecedented, leading to conditional emergency authorization of various vaccines. Despite progress on early multi-drug therapy for COVID-19 patients, the current mandate is to immunize the world population as quickly as possible. The lack of thorough testing in animals prior to clinical trials, they say, and authorization based on safety data generated during trials that lasted less than three and a half months raised questions regarding vaccine safety. Given the high rate of occurrence of adverse events that have been reported to date, as well as the potential for vaccine-driven disease enhancement, TH2 immunopathology, autoimmunity, and immune evasion, They say there is a need for a better understanding of the benefits and risks of mass vaccination, particularly in groups excluded from clinical trials. They go on to say, despite calls for caution, the risks of SARS-CoV-2 vaccination have been minimized or ignored by health organizations and government authorities. They say unless there is better risk mitigation, then vaccination should be halted immediately, in particular for demographic groups at highest risk of vaccine-associated death or serious adverse events until they say such measures are developed. The authors on that, by the way, include Dr. Peter McCullough. He's a cardiologist and vice chief of medicine at Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. He's called for a halt 
to vaccinating 30-year-olds due to what he says is no clinical benefit for them and safety concerns. In the United Kingdom, some scientists analyzed adverse event reports there, and they've called upon the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency to stop the COVID-19 vaccines as not safe for human use due to reports of issues with bleeding, clotting, pain, immune system, neurological, loss of sight, hearing, smell, speech, and questions about impact in pregnant women. And there's a petition of scientists led by Linda Wistilla, professor of Pharmaceutical Health Services Research University of the Maryland School of Pharmacy. They're calling for COVID-19 vaccines to be disapproved. Now with some specific categories of safety concerns. Heart issues. The FDA recently added a new warning to the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines about risk of heart inflammation. You can find this warning by yourself, if you like, on the FDA website at fda.gov or by doing a search under FDA and coronavirus update June 25th, 2021. I will tell you that when I've historically tried to search for safety information, that it seems in some respects that pharmaceutical interests do not want to be easily accessible. When I've tried to find that on the FDA and the CDC website, searching using the most obvious terms and phrases, often it doesn't show up. You really have to dig or know exactly where it exists. It's not under the places you might intuitively look. Sometimes it's easier to find this information instead of going to the website and conducting a search, the FDA or CDC website. Sometimes I found the material will show up more easily if you go to DuckDuckGo and search, for example, FDA and the search terms such as coronavirus update June 25th, 2021, it might be more likely to come up that way. So it says that the FDA announced revisions to the patient and provider fact sheets for the Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccines, the so-called RNA vaccines, regarding the suggested increased risks of myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, and pericarditis, inflammation of the tissue surrounding the heart following vaccination. By the way, do you know any patients who got vaccinated and were given or read these patient and provider fact sheets that are supposed to be given to everybody? Not everybody is given them and not everybody reads them, but they're supposed to. Anyway, the warning notes that reports of adverse events suggest increased risks of myocarditis and pericarditis, particularly following the second dose with onset of symptoms within a few days after vaccination. As an aside, I'll say that a lot of people seem to think if they don't have an immediate reaction the day of vaccination or the day after, that they're in the clear for adverse events. And that's probably true for most people. But according to scientists, vaccine adverse events can occur weeks after vaccination, months after vaccination, and sometimes even years after vaccination. But this new warning, this fact sheet says that vaccine recipients should seek medical attention immediately if they have chest pain, shortness of breath, or feelings of having a fast beating, fluttering, or pounding heart after vaccination. As of June 2021, the CDC said that it had noted more than 1,200 cases of heart inflammation reported in young people 
after Pfizer and or Moderna COVID-19 vaccination. More than half of these reports occurred after the second dose, and most of the injuries were in males under age 30. The Israeli Ministry of Health has announced that it's monitoring for heart inflammation after Pfizer's vaccine due to reports of problems. I believe Pfizer is the only vaccine given in Israel right now. There is also a recent scientific article called Myocarditis and Other Cardiovascular Complications of the mRNA-Based COVID-19 Vaccines in a Number of Patients. And it describes two patients with clinically suspected myocarditis, one patient with stress cardiomyopathy, and two patients with pericarditis for the purposes of allowing physicians who are presented with patients who may have similar symptoms to compare and perhaps categorize what's happening to their patients. According to the research, the two patients with clinically suspected myocarditis were otherwise healthy young men who presented with acute substernal chest pressure and or dyspnea after receiving the second dose of the vaccine and were found to have diffuse ST elevations on electrocardiogram, elevated cardiac biomarkers and inflammatory markers, and mildly reduced left ventricular function on echocardiography. Both patients met the modified Lake Louise criteria as it's called for acute myocarditis by cardiac magnetic resonance imaging. The case of stress cardiomyopathy they describe occurred in a 60-year-old woman with known coronary artery disease and previously normal LV, left ventricular function, who presented with new exertional symptoms, ECG changes, apical akinesis following the second dose of the vaccine. And there were two patients with pericarditis who presented with chest pain, elevated inflammatory markers, and pericardial effusions after receiving the vaccine. Find this article by searching under Curious, C-U-R-E-U-S, C-U-R-E-U-S, the publication, and the title is Myocarditis and Other Cardiovascular Complications. That's enough for a search if you want to find it. The rest of the title is of the mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines. On to a different concern, blood clots. Probably heard something about that. Maybe you recall that the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine, this is a single dose in the U.S., not the double-dose RNA vaccines. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine was temporarily taken off the market here in the U.S. on April 16th. That's while health officials studied reports that were coming in about blood clot injuries. Among those reports was an 18-year-old teenager named Emma Berkey, she got sick about a week after she had the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. Again, a week had gone by, so an example of adverse events that don't necessarily occur the same day. She ended up having three brain surgeries related to blood clots and seizures. According to CDC, Berkey and other women they studied got headaches and back pain after vaccination before their blood clots were discovered. Berkey was given a drug called heparin, which is a blood thinner, but it turns out that blood thinners can make the condition worse. Johnson & Johnson had a letter published in the New England Journal of Medicine that said there was no connection between the blood clots or what's called as thrombotic thrombocytopenia after vaccination. 
Sometimes, apparently, by the way, this comes in combination with low platelets. But Johnson and Johnson stated that the evidence was insufficient to establish a causal relationship. Again, you have to look at the words used in this industry. Evidence is insufficient to establish a causal relationship. That's a carefully worded statement. Evidence may be insufficient, at least in their view, but it doesn't mean the evidence doesn't exist or won't exist. In the end, the medicine was allowed back on the market, but with new warnings about this disorder. So apparently the FDA was not convinced that there was no relationship. And here's something I want you to consider that I think is quite interesting and telling. So the FDA added a warning, but if you look at what the CDC says about it, you wouldn't know that from the title. The title of the announcement that talks about the new warning says, Updated Recommendations from the Advisory Committee. Don't you think the news here is that there's a new warning being added about the blood clot disorder? But even before the warning is mentioned, what the CDC says is the upshot of the new recommendation is that they've concluded the benefits outweigh the risks of this vaccine, and they're reaffirming that. So if you only casually look at this or skim it, you might not even know that they were adding a warning, which may be why a lot of the media simply didn't report it. They just said that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was being allowed back on the market. How does a committee of experts for the government determine that the benefit of a vaccine or any medicine outweighs potential risks? Well, it's a very inexact and subjective calculation. And on the CDC website, you can see how they arrived at the conclusion in this case how they arrived at the fact that they say the risk is less than the benefit to be gained. But only toward the very end of this long, updated guidance do you get to the point of the warning. And it simply says, pretty short, FDA has added a warning to the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine. Janssen, by the way, that's the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Regarding rare clotting events that have been reported among vaccine recipients. Updated patient education materials reflecting this warning are critical to ensure that women under age 50 are aware of the increased risk and that other COVID-19 vaccines are available. And by the way, it says the fact sheet should be provided to all vaccine recipients and their caregivers for careful review before vaccination with any authorized COVID-19 vaccine. That is not always occurring. And this notice does note that treatment for this blood clot disorder that occurs after the vaccine is different from the treatment typically administered for blood clots, that heparin should not be administered, and consultation with hematology specialists is strongly recommended. So back on the market in the U.S. with new warnings. In Sweden, something different. Health officials there determined that people under age 65 should not get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine due to reports of blood clots. Again, that's a difference here in the U.S. They're talking about providing a warning, particularly for women under age 50. But in Sweden, they're saying that anybody under age 65 should not get the vaccine. Then there's an editorial published in the Journal of the American Medical Association recommending that women under age 50 avoid the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine due to these concerns. That's contrary to, again, what the CDC and FDA have decided, but the recommendation discussed 12 case reports it looked at of a blood disorder, cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, 
with thrombocytopenia following Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Then looking at the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine, this is not, by the way, currently approved in the U.S., but was being used elsewhere. The AstraZeneca vaccine has been linked to a dangerous disorder involving blood clots with low blood platelets. On April 7th, the European Medicines Agency said that it made an association between the vaccine and blood clots after analyzing 62 cases of cerebral venous sinus thrombosis and 24 cases of splanchic vein thrombosis reported in the EU's drug safety database. As of March 22nd, 18 of those cases were fatal. This news, this concern, made me think about a case that was reported pretty early on in the U.S. vaccination program. Remember that South Florida doctor, Gregory Michael, who died of a brain hemorrhage? It was 16 days after he got Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. He was said to be otherwise healthy. His wife said he was very healthy. Well, authorities concluded that he died of a blood disorder called immune thrombocytopenia, which can prevent blood from clotting and cause internal bleeding. Sounds very familiar now. His wife said that a blood test showed the level of his platelets were zero. She said before the shot, he had no medical issues, no underlying conditions. Well, health authorities, from what I can see, later categorized his death as natural, that this rare blood disorder was just a coincidence to him having gotten Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. But you look at all of these blood clot with low platelet warnings and reports and disorders after vaccination, and you do have to wonder. In Spain, the AstraZeneca shot has been restricted also in people under age 60 due to reports of blood clots in younger people. Bulgaria, Iceland, and Norway have halted AstraZeneca shots. Austria, Italy, and Romania have banned certain lots or batches of the AstraZeneca shots. Denmark stopped using the AstraZeneca shot altogether. Also, they stopped using the Johnson & Johnson vaccine after investigations into blood clots, saying the benefits of using the COVID-19 vaccine from Johnson & Johnson do not outweigh the risk of causing the possible adverse effect in those who receive the vaccine. The Italian government recently restricted the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine to adults over age 60 after a teenager who got the shot died from a rare form of blood clotting. 18-year-old Camilla Canipa died after getting vaccinated on May 25th. And several other European countries have also stopped giving the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine to people below a certain age, sometimes below age 50, sometimes below age 65. And again, that AstraZeneca shot is not approved for use, not being used here in the United States right now. Another issue has to do with the frail and or the elderly who get the shots, which is really a pretty significant percentage of those getting the COVID-19 vaccine. More on that after a short break. Tasks, deadlines, and projects. What if your teams had a tool that brought everything together? Trello is the project management tool that powers collaboration for over 2 million teams across the globe, including 80% of Fortune 500s. 
Trello brings teams together by tracking daily to-dos and provides a high-level view across projects and teams. From product development and design to support and production, Trello helps all teams move their work forward together. Thousands of IT admins around the world trust Trello to keep their work safe. With Trello, your teams will have access to hundreds of top-tier integrations they can rely on. A big reason why Trello is top-rated for employee satisfaction. It's where companies do their best work. Trello for enterprise. Learn more about by visiting trello.com slash for enterprise. That's T-R-E-L-L-O dot com slash for enterprise. We're back and we are talking about side effects and concerns from COVID-19 vaccines in various populations. There are different responses from different countries to these vaccine concerns. Information is coming in as we speak. It's sort of a real-time experiment because these vaccines were approved under emergency use authorizations without all of the normal testing. They're sort of being tested in real time on the general population. A reminder that CDC and FDA consider all of the vaccines that are being used in the U.S. to be safe and effective and that the benefits outweigh the risks. Some scientists disagree, as we have discussed, when we're talking about the frail and or the elderly, which really covers a lot of people, getting COVID-19 vaccine, health officials in Norway sounded the alarm after pretty early on they had 23 patients die shortly after getting the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. They are advising doctors to use caution in giving the shot to very frail elderly patients. After investigating 13 of those early deaths, Norwegian authorities concluded that common side effects from these so-called RNA vaccines just might be too much for a frail elderly person to handle and may contribute to their death. In other words, the same sort of side effect that a younger person could handle could push somebody else over the edge. According to a quote from Steiner Madsen, medical director of the Norwegian Medicines Agency, this person said, quote, there is a possibility that these common adverse reactions that are not dangerous and fitter younger patients and are not unusual with vaccines may aggravate underlying disease in the elderly. By the way, that's true of other vaccines and treatments. Every medicine has side effects. The question is how well tolerated they are by an individual person. And oftentimes, if you are sick to begin with, or if you're older or immune compromised, you don't handle these adverse reactions the same way that a fit, young, non-immune compromised person might. So again, in Norway, they decided that the frail elderly or the very frail, who unfortunately are the very ones that are said to need the COVID-19 vaccine because they could become the sickest from COVID-19, they're the ones that have to be very careful about getting the vaccine. CDC said it's monitoring the impact of vaccines on already frail patients. I asked them this question because I identified several clusters of elderly patients in U.S. nursing homes who died after the Pfizer or Moderna COVID-19 vaccine early on, looking through adverse event reports. I found in Kentucky that four seniors in a nursing home died the same day of their vaccinations on December 30th. Three of the four who passed away reportedly had already had coronavirus prior to getting vaccinated. Why does that matter? Well, we already discussed the fact that those who have coronavirus naturally are presumed to have immunity 
In fact, their immunity is proven to last longer than immunity from vaccination so far because the disease and the natural immunity it confers upon those who it infects, that's been around longer than the vaccine, so we know more about it. So an important question to ask is, did these seniors even need the vaccine? Should they have gotten the vaccine since they presumably already had immunity from having coronavirus? Anyway, in Arkansas, there was another case of four seniors that I found who were reported to have died at the same long-term care facility a week after their vaccination. Interestingly, all tested positive for COVID-19 after their vaccination. Synopsizing those Kentucky deaths that I found, an 88-year-old woman who was ill and 14 days post-COVID, in other words, according to the report, she had been diagnosed or perhaps finished with a coronavirus infection for two weeks. She was nonetheless given the Pfizer-BioNTech shot while she was unresponsive in her room. In other words, according to this report, this 88-year-old ill woman who'd already had coronavirus was given the shot while she was unresponsive in her room, and she died within an hour and a half. There was another 88-year-old woman who was 15 days post-COVID who got the shot, according to reports, and was monitored for 15 minutes afterwards and then passed away within 90 minutes. A third report from the same nursing home, same day, says that yet another 88-year-old woman who was 14 days post-COVID vomited four minutes after receiving her shot, became short of breath, and passed away that night. And an 85-year-old woman vaccinated at 5 p.m. that day was found unresponsive less than two hours later and died shortly after. In response to questions about that Kentucky cluster that I found, a spokesman for CDC said its experts noted no pattern among the cases that would indicate a concern for the safety of the vaccine. Then I found, and again, this was very early on in the vaccination program here in the U.S., I found that there were four nursing home deaths in Arkansas after vaccination with the Moderna vaccine. All four patients tested positive for COVID-19 after vaccination, according to the reports produced to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, the federal database. But there was no indication on the reports as to whether they had coronavirus at the time of their vaccination or did they get it after their shot. But one was a 65-year-old man who got the Moderna vaccine January 2nd and died two days later, with the report noting he tested positive for COVID-19. Three other Arkansas seniors at the same nursing home died about a week after getting the Moderna vaccine on December 22nd. The person reporting one case, the death of an 82-year-old man, six days after his shot, said that, get this, he was vaccinated in attempt to mitigate his risk, apparently after he already had COVID-19, and that this attempt was unsuccessful and the patient died. Now, under no circumstances, this is me talking, have I seen a recommendation that somebody in an active COVID-19 illness and infection should be getting COVID vaccine in an attempt to mitigate the risk? Haven't seen anything that indicates that's a proper clinical application of the vaccine. Two elderly women at the nursing home ages 90 and 78 were vaccinated the same day as the 65-year-old man. They also tested positive, according to these reports, for COVID-19 about a week after their shots and died. According to the unnamed person who reported the 90-year-old woman's death, quote, 
the vaccine did not have enough time to prevent COVID-19 and, quote, there is no evidence that the vaccination caused the patient's death. It simply didn't have time to save her life. The person who reported the 78-year-old woman's death claimed that she, quote, died as a result of COVID-19 and her underlying health conditions and not as a result of the vaccine. As an aside, there's no way that the people making these reports should be attempting to make such assessments or can actually scientifically make those assessments. It's unclear why they were included in these adverse event reports. It sounds like they don't want people to blame the vaccine or even look at that as a possible cause. In response to questions about the Arkansas cluster that I found, CDC told me that surveillance data do not indicate excess deaths among elderly patients receiving COVID-19 vaccines. And overall, the agency said the number of deaths at long-term care facilities after COVID-19 vaccinations is no higher than what would be expected to occur naturally. Now, another health concern has to do with pregnant women. Several Brazilian states suspended use of AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine for pregnant women in May after a pregnant woman died after getting vaccinated. And that decision followed the recommendation of Brazil's National Health Surveillance Agency, which recommended immediate suspension of AstraZeneca vaccine for pregnant women after results of vaccine adverse events monitoring in the country. Again, AstraZeneca not being used in the U.S. CDC says in general, with very limited data on the impact of COVID-19 vaccines in pregnant women and on their unborn children, the decision of whether to vaccinate while pregnant is an individual decision, CDC says, between a woman and her physician. Manufacturing problems on June 11th The European Union's drug regulator announced that it would not be using batches of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccines that were made at a Baltimore-based plant around the time that a cross-contamination manufacturing problem was reported at the facility. Anonymous sources claimed that up to 60 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine had to be thrown out. But the FDA issued a news release saying that two batches from the same Baltimore plant were safe to use and that several other batches were not suitable for use, but additional batches were still said to be under review. So again, the FDA determined that some batches of the J&J vaccine made in Baltimore were not suitable or safe for use, but additional batches were under review and some batches were determined to be safe to use. And the final category of vaccine concern that I'm going to briefly touch upon today is lack of immunity. Israel recently announced that about half of the adults infected with COVID-19 during its outbreak in June were fully vaccinated. The fully vaccinated individuals had gotten the Pfizer shots And this is not a phenomenon isolated to Israel or Pfizer. According to reports in June, nearly 4,000 fully vaccinated people in Massachusetts tested positive for COVID-19. There are similar reports happening in other states. On April 30th, CDC reported that 10,626 so-called breakthrough cases were reported in 46 states and territories. Breakthrough cases are where fully vaccinated people still end up getting COVID-19. 
And that's only the people we know. Some people will get infections. In fact, according to scientists, most people who get infected with COVID-19 actually won't know that they've got an infection because they will have few or no symptoms. Scientists had hoped that the COVID-19 vaccines would be effective in all of the variants of COVID-19, which are mutations that happen naturally with viruses were always expected with COVID-19. The variants not being a different strain, which is a bigger difference. The variants being a fairly small difference in terms of science and the hope again that the vaccines would work on these small differences, but the vaccine effectiveness against these variants, it turns out may be quite limited and CDC and the vaccine makers are studying the medical landscape to find out more. If you want more information on all of this, I've not only written a summary of safety concerns as we've discussed today, but I've also organized it by vaccine. If you wanna look at a particular vaccine and see the safety concerns under a heading like that. And I've also divided it up and done a summary by country. If you want to look at the safety concerns by nation and how they're being handled and included also in this article is additional reading and studies. The title, if you go to CherylAckison.com, is Exclusive Summary COVID-19 Vaccine Concerns. Exclusive Summary COVID-19 Vaccine Concerns. This may be one of the only places where this information is compiled in a comprehensive sense in one place where it's easy to find and easy to understand. When people find out about safety issues after the fact, I find some of them are asking, boy, do I have to be concerned? Now I'm worried. I would only say that most people will not suffer these very serious adverse events. It's just something to be aware of, to keep an eye out for, and to discuss with your healthcare professionals, particularly if you feel like you're having any symptoms. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast for interesting off-narrative information on all kinds of topics, particularly that which is considered untouchable and censored by other media. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. All right, folks, all of you know the story about my crick in my neck and how I bought a MyPillow a few years ago, and all of a sudden, my neck just healed up. In fact, the orthopedist couldn't figure out what the heck had John done. I, it was simple. I just bought one of Mike Lindell's pillows, and I all of a sudden found I wasn't sleeping right on my pillow. Mike's pillows did the trick. Well, guess what? He's done it again. He's got something new. He's now introducing his new My Slippers. You want the best slipper ever, the best foot experience late at night. Well, Mike has got, he took over two years to develop this. He designed it to wear this slipper indoor and outdoor all day long. It's comfortable, it's durable. It's made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue in the slipper. And it's made with quality leather suede. They look good, they feel good, they wear good. For a limited time now, Mike is offering 50% off his new My Slippers. You will also receive a free book with any purchase. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you'll want to get some for the whole family. It's a great gift, especially heading into springtime. So here, here's what you do. You go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's easy to remember, right? The promo code JUSTNEWS and you will get deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets the MyPillow mattress topper, and of course, the MyPillow towel set. And don't forget, y'all want those My Slippers. You gotta have them, they're incredible. Here's another way you can take advantage of this. You can call 
800-951-3715 and use the promo code Just News when someone picks up. Call 800-951-3715. Use the promo code Just News. Pretty simple stuff for the best slipper sheet pillow experience of your life. Investing doesn't have to be intimidating. In fact, accessible investing happens every day on the Acorns app. Acorns takes your spare change from your daily purchases and invests it into portfolios that could grow with time. On average, Acorns users invest $490 a year from spare change alone. Start putting your spare change to work and get a bonus $10 investment when you sign up at acorns.com slash invest10. Remember to consider your investment objectives before investing. For further information and disclosures, visit acorns.com.